Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Wendy Bowlesby and Melissa Kirscher. Dear listeners to Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome, and Wendy and I are back at Fantastic Fest Day 47. Out of what? No, we're day three. It's only day three. three. It's only day three. Why? It's 1.24 in the morning, and we haven't recorded all day, so we have a whole day oh, of movies to shit. catch up on. That's okay, I skipped my first slot, so... I skipped my last. Okay, so we have an abbreviated set of movies to talk about today. Um, and, yeah, uh, abbreviated is still eight. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, Wendy, you got here earlier than I did, so start talking. Okay. What did you see in your first slide? I saw level 16. Level 16. Oh, 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 I've heard about this. Yes, yes. Okay. This, How was it? Uh, I, what, I dubbed it the finishing school for Stepford Wives, and um, it didn't go where I expected. Oh, Okay. But, I mean, it did, but it wasn't the story. Like, it surprised me a okay, little bit, okay. which I was very pleased by. Obviously, I don't want to be able to figure everything out in advance. Um, it is almost entirely a female cast. Okay. Like, uh, female director and writer, Danishka Esterhazy. Ooh. Best name ever. That is um, a fantastic And she is very delightful. The And one of the stars was there, and she was very nice as well. Um, so the premise is that there are these girls who are at a um, the Vitalis Academy um, or Vitalit, Vitalit I don't remember it, it's a V Vitalis and this is all they've ever known okay. um, they have been told that the outside world is poisonous they've never seen the sun, the sky, the moon and that if they are clean girls that eventually they will get adopted by a host family who will care for them, but they have to, they have to earn it, um, and they have to be with by avoiding the feminine vices and embracing the feminine virtues. By the way, the number one feminine virtue is obedience, and the number one feminine vice is curiosity. So oh, that should oh, give you oh, oh, an idea. Yes. Yikes. Yeah. Um, so they reach level sixteen, and. Uh, two friends are reunited and the one friend is like don't take your vitamins tonight <laughs> and then some th- like revelations start occurring okay and it is it's solid all the way throughout it is a satisfying ending um, and the characters are more and the characters and the relationships are more complex than you normally would get in movies of this type. Oh, nice. Um, especially the villain, the quote-quote villains. Yeah. Like, there is care taken to make them people, not oh, cardboard cutouts. Interesting. But what I really, what you'll like, too, is um, it's totally 
that sort of Brazil dystopia because uh-huh. it's definitely a dystopian film. But it's like Logan's Run if Logan's Run was going to shit. So <laughs> everything is very you well, know. Well, Logan's Run was going to shit. I no, but I mean like visually pl- decaying. Uh, Instead of everything having this gloss over it, okay, like it's the hallways and the doors and the gray and everything, but the paint is peeling and there okay. aren't any tables in the lunch room and huh. yeah, okay, and you're like, wait, what? Okay. Why? Why is everything going to shit? So and then you're intrigued and yeah. So the visually, I loved it too, and I was totally engaged throughout. Um, and the crowd was totally into it too. Nice. So it was a really solid start to the day. I like it. So I then like we it. get to round two. Okay, where I got here after in a, a long nap because I started driving for my round one movie, which which was Leica, and I didn't get to see it because I started driving. I went, I shouldn't be driving, and I turned around and went back to bed. So <laughs> good I, for me. I heard Jessica. <laughs> Melissa's staying with Jessica, Jessica Cargill, Jessica and Cargill, but Jessica Cargill. And Jessica's tale was, I heard Melissa leave. And then she came back? And then she was back in the house. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, um, I got a text from her. She didn't feel safe to drive, so she came, She went back. She's like, oh, that makes more sense. She was just like, wait, but I heard you leave. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a Fantastic Fest movie. I could swear you left. Um, <laughs> There's more than one of me. Oh, oh my God. That's a terrifying okay. thought. Yeah, that is a terrifying thought. Let's move on. So I got here, finally. I did not see Leica, the movie about the space dog, but I will see it later in the fest, hopefully. So we'll come back to that. What I did see in my my first slot, which was the second slot of the day, was Drug Stories. <laughs> of and, course you did. Okay, so Drug Stories is a compilation of drug scare films from the 50s and 60s. Uh, a uh, gathered by AGFA, the American Genre Film Archive, and Something Weird, which is a long-standing... Uh, it was a husband and wife team, and now it's just the wife because the husband passed away, uh, oh. who, who collected all these just thousands of movies on their own and releasing them, you know, like si- the rare stuff, the 16 millimeters, the 5 millimeters, the things that nobody else is putting out and putting them out on... VHS and then eventually DVD and now Blu-ray. So Agfa and Something Weird have teamed up to make this compilation of drug scare movies, and they're freaking hilarious, uh, of course, because they're they're like, it is time to sm- smoke a stick of marijuana, you know that sort of thing. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, blow a stick of marijuana. <laughs> Um, and it's, uh, it, and so I don't know. There were like five or six of them. The um, and they're. Varying quality. Um, one of them has the molecule of LSD as a first-person character. <laughs> like, I'm LSD, and here's what I do to the world. Only it's, it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty great. But the it, and dear listeners, this this program plus additional content will be released, I think, early next year on DVD oh, and Blu-ray. Nice. So it will be available. Wider good, good, yeah. from from Agfa and uh, and I'm I'm actually looking forward to buying it because there's some great stuff. The final short was called The Trip Back and it is um, basically just okay. So there was this motivational speaker in the '60s named Flori Fisher, and Flori Fisher was this woman. She's clearly a New Yorker. She's like a New York Jew. She sounds like she's from Long Island. She has the thick accent. She's about 50. 
and she she's up there in front of these high school kids and she's talking about the 23 years she spent on the on the street smoke blowing sticks of marijuana and being in jail and she was turning tricks and she was a call girl i was all you know all also pretty back then and then and then you know, she's, she's she looks like a 1950s 50 year oldish jewish mom <laughs> with, with with the with the big gold earrings and the the accent and the woman speaks in like one long unbroken sentence for about 20 minutes and she is dynamite. <laughs> she is absolutely amazing. I, I literally have in front of Wendy right now, I have I have a pamphlet that was lovingly curated by Agfa um, that has the best outtakes of her, her oh monologue and from the oh my God. from the trip back. Yeah, I, I will I will read a let's see. Um, all you people who say LSD is okay if you're emotionally stable, you know, it doesn't give you a bad trip. It's a lie. This girl's neck was broken in six places. Now they fused her spine and her neck and she will always be stiff. But it doesn't make any difference because she is a raving maniac and her prognosis is nil. Now this is LSD. It's amazing. <laughs> Th this woman is dynamite. I, I want to own this. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, she wrote a book called the, I think it's called the Long Trip Back or something like that. It's it's similar to the title of the short. And now I want to read the book because well, it, you know what? My culture just smoked marijuana until we got on horse. Yes. <laughs> and, and that was, and then my son was in the hospital, and my son he was treated by the same doctor who who treated uh, uh, Jane Mansfield's son. We got mauled by a tiger. You know that sort of thing. I don't think that's in the pamphlet I'm showing you, but there's something about Jane Mansfield's son being mauled by a tiger. Oh I work for $52 a week in a house for retarded children because my thing now is I have to help people. <laughs> oh, my God. This, I'm telling you, i, I got to show this to you, Wendy. If I can, I, I, I need amazing. to show it to you. Because you amazing. would just die. Because literally, it's nonstop her, and, and she is just on fire. So, um, so yeah, I, I want to hear this woman's story. Okay. So, anyway, that that's that. You can see it soon. So, I'm I'm pleased to report yeah, your story. Yeah, you are Really fascinating. That. Really fascinating. So, Wendy, what did you see in that slot? I saw Slut in a Good Way. Ooh. Which is a Québécois. Oh, that, that's a Québécois movie. Com comédie. Um, so, yeah, it's in French, or Québécois French. Um, so, it's really nasal. <laughs> and... It's in black and white, beautifully shot. Oh. Beautifully shot in okay. black and white. It okay. is a teen sex comedy um, that is actually, like it's not, it's not like a sex comedy like Porky's or any of those, but it's still funny and it is uh, female focused. Um, so the premise is uh, Charlotte, had, her boyfriend just broke up with her because he's finally come out as gay. Uh -huh. And she's like, but we were soulmates. And her friends are like, how did you not know he was gay? <laughs> like, okay. seriously. And they're all like juniors in high school. So as they're out one night, you know, getting high, drinking illicit alcohol. They Smoking were, a stick of marijuana. Blowing yeah, a stick of blowing marijuana, a stick, They were blowing. It was actually, it was actually a bong, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> they wind up going into a toy store. And then they stop and look around, and literally every boy they see is cute. And they're like, hey, I wonder if they're hiring. So they get jobs at the toy store. Nice. 
And then Charlotte proceeds to get over her boyfriend in a big way. Ooh. And it's very sex positive. Okay. Um, it's very, it talks like, it's not preachy at all. I want to make that very clear, but it's the characters talking about like, so wait, like, no, no, you're being a slut, but it's in a good way. Mm-hmm. And then, and then like, then eventually there's some frustration. No, you're being a slut in a bad way. Um, <laughs> and it's just very much, a, it's the very standard coming of age tale, but it's so sex positive. It's so frank about the sex, um, with absolutely no judgment. And it's sweet and funny, and it's girls wanting to have sex and having a sex life. So, yeah, I really, it's just, it was really just a smile-making movie. Excellent. Yeah. Yay. So, um, if you can find it, listeners, I have no idea what the distribution on that one's going to be. But keep your eyes out for it, because it was just sweet. Yay. Yay. And there was some definite funny stuff, especially about the gay boyfriend. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then in third slot, yeah. I saw The Boat. Was it a haunted boat? It's a haunted boat. Yes. And okay. it's one guy. Oh. Like, you eventually see some other people, but they don't talk. Literally, it's one guy. He goes out. First thing in the morning on his little his little boat, and he ends up in a fog bank where he finds this sailboat mm-hmm. that is just there. Mm-hmm. So he climbs on board to be like, is everything okay here? And when he comes back out, his boat is gone. <laughs> and I think he might say a dozen words in the movie, six of which are, hello, hello. Is anybody there? <laughs> and then the rest of it is just moving from challenge to challenge. It's kind of a an isolation survival tale, except there is an opponent, and the opponent is the boat. <laughs> um, so it's not man versus boat. Yeah, and it it. It ended in a surprising yet satisfying way. Okay. Um, so, like, it's not, it, it's not going to be a big hit. It's another quiet one. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it slow, because it's constant. Okay. But, like, I would say it's a faster, faster drive than the wind. Okay. For example, did you see the wind? I did see the wind. Yeah. You so, were with me seeing yeah, the wind. Yeah, but it's been two days, Melissa. Melissa, I don't remember that far yeah, back Yeah, because anymore. it's day 47. It's of... day 55 of, of an eight-day festival. Yes. Um, so I I think it's definitely worth seeking out. If you can, like, I, I hope that if it's in a good slot, you'll see it here. Okay. But if not, definitely try to find it. Awesome. Because um, it did interesting, it did interesting things. Okay. And uh, the lead actor is quite nice on the eyes. And his Q&A was delightful. Oh, good. He... He is the son and co-writer with the director, his father. Mm-hmm. So Winston Azoparty was the director and Joe Azoparty, uh-huh. and it's from Malta. They're Ooh. Maltese. Okay. And um, and he so like people are like so the boat and they're like yeah we had two and we shot some on the sea and blah 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 and he's like and so like tell us about the boat he's like well I had to actually go up to Croatia to get the one boat and sail it back. And that boat was an actual fucker. 
it was auditioning for the role the entire way back. Yes. And I just thought that was so charming. That's fantastic. Um, and he was, he was that sort of Q&A where he's just like, oh, that was just bullshit. And everybody's getting sick. He's, oh, and so there's one scene where he has to be in in water, duh. Uh-huh. And so they have him in the tank, but it was so freezing in the tank. He's like, Malta, Malta, it's a warm country, you know? And so then we're shooting in the tanks on the Maltese studio, which are apparently sub-zero. And he's just like, it's negative 50,000 degrees in there. And I'm in the water for 20 minutes and the DP is like yelling me at directions at me. And eventually I'm not responding because apparently I'm going into shutdown until they drag me out of the water. Eventually I start shivering because I finally thought enough to recognize I'm cold and it was awful. And then my dad leans over, you need to get back in the water. Did I mention it was my birthday? dad tried to freeze me to death on my birthday oh that's beautiful for art <laughs> it was very delightful so yeah the like i don't want to even tell you there's there's this one shot that is so delightful so delightful and i was sitting next to a perfect stranger and we weren't doing it too much but there were a couple of moments of back in like ping pong of different times of just i'd be like oh shit <laughs> and then they're like five minutes later i'd hear to be like oh don't do that <laughs> So it's one of those sort of haunted house things where you're just like, don't go, don't, don't go, go in, in there. Don't, no. no, don't do that. You know that's a bad idea. <laughs> so yeah, haunted boat. Haunted boat called the, the boat. boat. Excellent. Yes. From Malta. From Malta. What did you see in three? I saw Hold the Dark. Ah, yes. Ah. And I, like, everybody was so excited about, like, and everybody came out and was like, yes, yes, yes. And I'm like, oh, I might be having food regret. Except I really did like the boat. And I oh was in the mood for a haunted boat. So hold the dark. Oh hold the God, dark. Now, Wendy. this is a Netflix. Uh, yes, it was produced. So it is going to be released it, on Netflix oh, yes. very shortly. Oh, yes. Listeners, that's Dear important. listeners, yes, it's coming to you. Uh, dear listeners, uh, Hold the Dark is the next movie from uh, Jeremy Saulnier. And um, I forget his writing, writing partner's name. But they did... The Green Room. The Green Room and Blue Ruin and Mad Monster Party. All amazing movies. The Green Room is so good. And I the think green. it's still on Netflix. If it oh is, God, you yeah. should watch that. Hold the Dark is amazing. Okay. <laughs> okay, oh. so it, it, that, it starts out with... It, it starts out... Um, literally, this is like the first five, ten minutes or so. Um there's a woman in this very tiny Alaskan town, like they just got plumbing a few years ago, small Alaskan town mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere, um, whose husband is off at war and her, she has a, they have a little son. The little son is stolen by wolves. What? Son goes missing. And Dingo's ate my baby. Dingo's ate my baby. <laughs> and um, so she calls in this guy who is, she, she reads a book of, of a guy who's a, a wolf expert. And she calls him in and begs him for help. And she, when he arrives, she asks him to go find and kill the wolf that ate her kid. And of course, you know, this guy is, you know, taking her seriously, but he's like, lady you know that's it, it, it's, yeah it, it, finding the wolf that did this is yeah, yeah, yeah. it's ridiculous but uh, he goes out to try and find the wolf he finds the pack he, he doesn't he doesn't kill the 
the wolf, but uh, he so he because he has he knows wolves. It's like he he can't on his conscience just yeah randomly kill a wolf. So he comes back and the lady has left. She and he notices there's a door unlocked in the house, and she goes he goes downstairs and finds the body of her kid. What? And then it goes from there, and it goes places you have. I have no. I had no expectation. Oh, I couldn't expect where it was going, and it it ends in a very. I, I I suspect some people won't be satisfied by the ending, but it it closes in. Um, it, it is entirely character driven movie. Nice. And okay. the, the resolution is all in the characters. Okay. And that, just, that just bumped it way to the top so of my good. list. So good. Like, even the minor characters are very memorable characters, and there are a lot of uh, indigenous peoples oh, nice. cast in there. Um, and That's the, exciting. Yeah. And it's beautifully shot, and uh, they filmed on location in Alaska. So it actually feels like goddamn Alaska. It, look, it looks cold. It's real goddamn snow. Uh, they're hiking through the, the the ridges and mountains of Alaska. It, yeah, it's really well done. Okay, and, okay. And oh, it, you have no clue where it's going. And it, it is very Jeremy Saulnier. But uh, it's, it's quiet and contemplative. But it's like contemplative and tense in alternating turns. And it's it's so good. Okay, so yeah, Hold the Dark. I really, really loved it. I really loved it. Really, really, really did. Also, uh, the guy who's the wolf expert is Jeffrey Wright, and he's wonderful. Jeffrey Wright. He's so good. He's so good. He is. Yeah. Okay, round four. What was that? Round four. Round four. What did you see? Overlord. Tell me about Overlord. Okay. Tell me about Overlord. I got a hug from the star at the after party. Oh, which star? Um, uh, Jeff. Oh, he's new. He he was actually the son in Fences. Oh, okay, that guy. Um, yeah. And he's, I, I, he's I got a just name. he's got just a different enough name that I'm. You're not I, remembering. Like it's not saying. Sure. Joven. Joven. That's okay. his name. And. Uh, and I, uh, a depo, a lepo, a repo, something like that, uh, for the last name. Beautiful, beautiful man. Um, very uh, expressive face. He's he's the the innocent protagonist of this of this film, and his he's just got a wide-eyed innocence that is very sweet and endearing. Very nice. very pulls you in, which I told him, which is why I got a hug. Um, so uh, the premise, if you've somehow been living under a rock. Uh, it's World War II, um, and there it's a man on a mission movie. And Sweet. Here is my complaint. Okay. And I'm actually, and I'm gonna do this also because if I say this, maybe it will help you enjoy the movie a little bit more than I did. Mm-hmm. Not that I didn't enjoy it, but um, it is a man on a mission movie by the fucking numbers. Hmm. So it's it's a little cookie cutter. Okay. Also. I wanted a little more zombie action. Okay. And and I was expecting a touch more horror. Okay. And it was more Dirty Dozen. Okay. So which doesn't mean it's bad, mm-hmm. but that means that like it's a not are, it's a Nazi smasher with zombies. Yeah. Rather than a zombie movie with Nazis. Yeah. 
Okay. So, yeah. So, and the vibe is a lot more superhero. Oh. Like, just in terms, like, there's a certain, because I love the Captain America movies, there's a certain connection in my head to, like, the Red Skull. Yeah. Like, right. you know, crazy, crazy Nazi experiments going, doing weird shit. Yeah. Like, um, so people are like, did you love it? And I'm like, well, yeah, I had a lot of fun. But, I mean, I couldn't overlook the fact that it was a lot more cookie cutter than I was expecting. Now, that said, some of the visuals are terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, the effects that they do and the design of what they're doing is great. Awesome. The cast is excellent. Wyatt Russell is excellent. He's he's the hardened, hardened veteran who's just like, the mission is this and fuck everything else and you do your job soldier and why do you have to not why do you have to be lame with your feelings um (laughs) but the opening sequence because they're on the plane they are their mission is land in this small french town and take out the radio because d-day is happening tomorrow and if we don't take out the radio then um the invasion could fail yeah the, the invasion could fail because our planes need this is all part of providing air support this is our mission Mm mm-hmm but they're, so they're flying in to do this drop. They're going to go down in, in parachutes. And of course, they come under heavy fire. Yep. So the opening sequence on the plane is clearly inspired by Saving Private Ryan. Like, I was wondering. And it is intense and it's excellent. What if they were the same timeline? Right? That'd be awesome. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, what if, like... As they just meet in the woods, hey, what's your name? Brian, hey, nice to meet you, you gotta go. Um, so the cast is great, and the premise is fun, and some of the design stuff is excellent. There's a lot of really good touches of humor. Okay. Um, yeah, there's a lot, there was a lot, and the crowd was into it, so, yeah. So I want to just, you know, your mileage may vary, and, like, I think if I... If I frame it in that way, it's going to increase your enjoyment because you're going to know what movie you're walking into a little bit better than I did. Okay. Um, cool. But yeah, it's a ton of fun. And yeah, definitely watch it. Definitely watch it. There's no reason on earth not to, and there's a lot of good reasons why. <laughs> awesome. Um, so that was Overlord. But you saw... I saw Between Worlds. Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Okay, so... So the premise. Oh which, my God! Okay, so, God, okay, the movie is bonkers, and then Nicolas Cage is in it, being extra bonkers. So, the premise. Okay, it opens. Nicolas Cage is a trucker, and he <laughs> walks into. Which a, right there? <laughs> he's a trucker. Uh, he walks into a convenience store. He hears a woman sounding. Uh, uh, like something's going on in the bathroom. He goes into the bathroom and a man is choking her. And he punches out the guy and and he go, and and the woman goes, what did you do that for? And he goes, I saved you. And she goes, you ruined everything. Uh, and that woman is Franca Patente. Yay, Franca Patente. Franca Patente. And it turns out Franca Patente is a mother who whose teenage daughter has been in a, a motorcycle accident. And the the kid is uh, in a coma, and this mother apparently has the ability to uh, have out of body experiences and pull souls back and put them back in their body. So she astrally projects and does magical things. Yeah, and so she was, but she can only do it when she's being choked. So she has at, at, she had asked this guy to choke her, 
Um, and okay. So she, as she and Nicholas Cage are talking, she gets a call that her her daughter is now in stable condition, and she says, "Okay, good. I I can't do that twice in one day." So she she asks Nicholas Cage to drive her to the hospital where her da daughter is, and he he does so. And um, as they get there, the the girl slips away again, and she has Nicholas Cage to choke her in the hallway, <laughs> so she can put her daughter back. And he does, and daughter comes back alive. Um, Nicholas Cage uh, sticks around for a couple hours. Uh, so the, the mother can rest, and he, he says he'll stay awake, watch the daughter. When the daughter wakes up, he'll go get mom. Yeah. And so daughter eventually wakes up, and she starts saying weird things to Nicolas Cage, and he goes, oh, okay, I'm going to go get your mom, and brings the mom back in, and, and uh, everything's fine. Eventually, daughter goes back home. Nicolas Cage sticks around for a few days, and... Um, he and the mother start having a thing, but the daughter's not quite the person she used to be. Well, you did bring her soul back from wherever. Yeah. Or a soul back from wherever. Ah. Ah. So anyway, it goes from there. And that's just the beginning. <laughs> so we have Nicolas Cage in... In a, you can tell they just let him go. Just, <laughs> Mr. Cage, you are here to do what you do, so you do the voodoo that you do so, so well. well. <laughs> yeah, this was um, this was billed as the most bonkers film of the festival. Yeah, they might not be entirely wrong. Okay, it's it's boy, it goes weird places. <laughs> um, female director Maria Po. Povier, something. Um, I think she's Hispanic. Um, her next movie is called El Matador. Pulera. 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 And uh, she, she was there, and the actress playing the teen girl was there, and uh, they were really having a good time telling stories about working with Nicolas Cage and saying that he's like working with a performance artist. It just gets weird. <laughs> so, yeah, they, you can tell. It, I have issues with the script. There are some scenes in there. It's like, no, that should be just taken out entirely because that adds nothing. Especially, like, the very final scene of the movie. It's like, you just put that in there because you didn't want to lose it, not because it adds anything. Oh. And that's not... That is that adds nothing at all, oh. and it's it's unfortunate. But it, it what is it, it's it's worth it if you're a Nicolas Cage fan. If you're a fan of unhinged Nicolas Cage, this is unhinged Nicolas Cage. Excellent. Just pretty much undiluted. <laughs> I don't know if it tops Mandy yet because I haven't seen Mandy yet. Yeah, we do I feel like that. I need to to see that to. Well, obviously, you yeah. need to see that. Yeah. Um, but the the director dropped Zandalee as one of her favorite Cage performances, so it's like, okay, you, lady, are a fan <laughs> of the most crazy pants Nicolas Cage. So anyway, that was good. Uh, I, I I had a good time watching that. <laughs> Yay. And then I, I went to out. the Overlord party. Oh, that's fun. Um, which started with a swing band. And then at midnight, they handed out giant syringes of the potion that okay. there, is a, there are syringes full of 
potion. magical potions in Overlord. Okay. Spoiler alert. Not really. So it's so a little bit of uh, reanimator going on. Yeah, there. they okay. were giant, and they were filled. Uh, filled with vodka. Uh, whatever it was, it tasted like cough syrup, and it was awful. <laughs> but they're like, everybody take your medicine. And so everybody drank it, and right as everybody's at the stroke of midnight, they're like, take your medicine. And a brass band comes out. Nice. And starts playing uh, dead this, it's not going to come around. Dead Mexican music? Like, it's hard to describe. Like, <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, that particular Hispanic... Um, Day of the co- Dead? Like, yeah, like that type of, but, like, it's a big brass band. Okay. And they had, like, the weird big puppet things oh, around. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, but they, they sounded excellent, and it I was super it was super fun. And I was ducking in and out of that, and I also... Careful um, with those syringes. You don't get hooked on horse. <laughs> don't want to blow the marijuana sticks. <laughs> yeah, you don't. Um, not when I'm this tired. So I was actually going out to my car thinking, like, I don't know, maybe I'm going home. I don't know, but then I want to record with Melissa. And as I was walking to my car, I ran into a, a one of the suits. Oh. Like a suit, from a, clearly from a studio. And I'm like, so hey, what do you do? And <laughs> uh, did you notice there were cops around? Yeah. He hired them. Oh. Because... He was here to do security for the Paramount people who were here. Not just the talent, but like one of the presidents of Paramount was here. Oh. Like the Paramount um, uh, employees and staff. The, the brass yeah, were here. Yeah, were here. And he was just like, he's like, there were a lot of things I asked for that I did not get. And they kept trying to, he's like, this is a nightmare. Like normally premieres are not this big. It's one theater worth of people. And I, if, if doing something like this, I'd have bag checks and metal detectors, and this is, this is making me very nervous. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, so what are you doing right now? He's like, I'm keeping an eye on my guys. I'm like, like you mean like watching the talent? He's like, no, I'm watching my security guys I hired to make sure they're doing their job. Okay, awesome. <laughs> and and I'm, and I, he's, he's like, he's quality control for security. Yeah. Okay. And he's like, and the talent is just, they're just hanging out. I guess, because they like it. And I'm like, well, f- I'll tell you from the Fantastic Fest attendee perspective, it's great, because mm-hmm. like, that's the nice thing about Fantastic Fest that we try to communicate to people. is like the fans aren't going to be wanting autographs and selfies and mm-hmm. stuff. They just literally want to come up and be like, I liked your movie. I liked this one part. Mm-hmm. And I saw you in this other movie, and you were great in that, too. And he's like, yeah, I know. I got told that, and I frankly didn't believe it. But you're, yeah, it's sort of amazing. I'm used to the paparazzi of L.A., and mm-hmm. this is so different. And I was really nervous, but he's like, I'm like, well, the cops are here. That's new. And he's like, oh, I hired them. I'm like, I figured they'd be a good visual deterrent, so nothing bad would happen. <laughs> it's it's all the marijuana sticks. Everybody's really chill so here. So it's just really weird getting a different perspective <laughs> on my beloved event from a security guy's like, this is crazy. You guys need more security. <laughs> um, so that's what I did. Okay, awesome. For my final round but you yeah, saw I saw folklore which I really was interested it's in a, it's interesting um, okay so folklore is a new HBO series HBO Asia series sorry sorry excuse me it's an HBO Asia series uh, it might not be released over here 
Damn it. But it's for Asian markets, and well, I'm sure at some point it'll probably be released on home video, and you can get it if you really want it. But it is, it's kind of like Masters of Horror. It's an anthology anthology series. It it seems that the the different episodes are being produced in different Asian countries because there were two episodes in the film slot, and one was from Malaysia and the other one was from Korea because our uh, the theme of Fantastic Fest this year is South Korea, and Chingu, Chingu, and um, Chingu is the mascot of this year's Fantastic Fest. Anyway, so two back-to-back episodes. And the first one from Malaysia is about a um, uh, a monster called a Toyol, which I don't really know much about personally. The two episodes were Toyol and Mangdal. Yeah, Mangdal. The uh, Toyol episode was... um, It it involves a a female shaman and a bureaucrat a government bureaucrat who's like, oh, all the fish are dying in this one fishing province and everybody's, we don't know what to do. There's no toxins in the water, so I guess I'll bring in a shaman and see what happens. And this woman shows up and she starts uh, uh, doing her thing and the fish clear up and the bureaucrat is successful and they, it, it, and it kind of goes on from there, but the, the woman becomes more and more integrated into his life. And uh, to various degrees, and uh, oh, go ahead and spoil it. It's not like it's going to be easy for anybody. Yeah, to that's see. true. Well, apparently a toyol is some sort of child spirit, um, kind of like almost like a zombie that does like, or a little demon that does the bidding of the master. And the the woman has summoned a toyol, and you see this in the first few scenes. But um, as she gets kind of ingratiates herself with this politician. Um, he divorces his wife, they get married, she gets pregnant, and like one night he's up late and he, before the baby is born, and he discovers the little monster thing running around his house and he freaks out. And she, um, uh, as, and she comes down and like calms him down and, and then starts explaining things to him. And the the ending sweep is that um, she was telling about her background and why the toil is there, and, and like her background is was that you know her mother had was the mistress of of a politician of a politician, and that but the politician stayed with his wife and um, you know just kind of cast off the woman and. And this this daughter grew up to to uh, want more with her life and 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 uh, have revenge upon the family. And it turns out that that politician, that's her father, was also the bureaucrat's father. And so she like looks up at brother. <laughs> and, oh no! And so he he has a stroke, and that's her her revenge. And, oh and, and so she has a child and. And uh, the guy's money, and he's like in a in a home for oh my god the infirm, and and that's the end of it. Brother, brother, it's kind of nice. Um, the the my issues with that episode were that it's a little choppy. It, it felt like it needed some a little bit more connecting meat in it. Ah. Um, the the scenes 
you couldn't really tell how much time was passing between sets of scenes. Oh, that's just, yeah, which that's, is which was really tough. That's frustrating. And then um, the other one, the Korean one, is Mungal, which is um, uh, there is a teenage boy with obvious rage problems and he's unmanageable and he's being raised by his single mother who is also principal at a school and poor kid yeah and uh, she doesn't know how to handle him but this guy keeps getting fixated on female classmates and then awful things happen to them oh and and eventually he gets fixated on this new girl and she she starts being kind to him, and then the other classmates are like, no, 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 uh, 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 and eventually she, he's, he's like immediately following her home and like, like wheedling his way into her family. She's like, no, this is not okay, and then, um, uh, it, but she, the the classmate comes home and kicks him out of the house, and he is so depressed he throws himself into the reservoir and drowns. And so the mother is distraught, and and very soon the mother is being haunted by a poltergeist, or a mongol, and so she hires a, a priest, and the priest tells her uh, her her boy has died a a virgin and unmarried, and therefore he walks the earth restless. So he he must she must marry him to a. The, the spirit of a dead virgin girl and then their spirits will both be happy. I know it's creepy as fuck. Okay. <laughs> yeah, listeners, I made a face. Yeah, Wendy made a face. And so she, the, the priest says, okay, there was this girl who died a couple, a little ways away. Her body was buried and stand cremated. If you get a lock of her hair, we can do this. And so they married the ghost together. Uh, Mother thinks it's fine. Like the next day, she sees the ghost again, and the, the ghost is like, "I hate the girl I married." <laughs> He's complaining. He's complaining, and so she goes, oh, I, can, "I have to find another girl." So she goes after the girl that uh. he was stalking, and it just it just goes bad. So yeah, it it's anyway. That one is. It, it, it's a good horror story, but I mean, it rings all my bells with thinking, no, get get rid of the creepy boy. Yeah. Yeah, because that that doesn't go well for anybody. No, and, creepy boys don't go well for anybody. No, I think that's if you could put that on a T-shirt, people would buy it. Yeah, that episode's better better than the Malaysian one. But uh, I, I liked them both for the, you know, these are are monsters I'm not as familiar with in mm-hmm. in Western culture and it was interesting seeing i I like the project a lot because if the other episodes are like this i would yeah i would totally watch it it. was i was really like wanting to go see it and it's the only showing they're doing of it Mm -hmm. but you know i made a different choice and then i'd made a different choice after that by not going at all yeah as you do. As you do. So that so was... if, if you get if you get a chance, look up folklore if you like the monster stuff. It's like I said, it's like Masters of Horror, and I imagine it'll probably be uneven quality like Masters of Horror is. But uh, yeah, I mean, but they, the highs are probably worth waiting through the lows. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I mean, generally, even a even a low is. This sounds like even a low could be interesting. Oh yeah. Like oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, little anthropological study 
So that, um, listeners, I am fading fast. Cause day three is closed. Day three is in the books. I need to make sure I remember to pick my picks for Monday because I missed making my picks for tomorrow today. Oh, no. I did. Oh. So I'm in, I, I got I, into I, secret screening. I. That's why I'm mad because I was going to obviously try for the secret screening and the odds of me getting into that now are non-existence thank you very much i'll tell you why later um <laughs> so uh yeah but you i know I, what it is don't you no i actually oh, okay. don't luke wouldn't tell me he just told me it is a new not a repertory okay because i was like can you at least tell me is it new or a repertory he's like it's new okay. and he's like it's something you'd like okay cool <laughs> um but uh i i went ahead and picked movies no, i'm just no, a yeah. Yeah. okay so cool yeah, uh yeah. All right. Yeah. Wendy, we should let you go so you can go get rest. I don't know why I'm so fady, but I am. And I need to get some rest so because that I can come it, back. I have I have to do scripts gone wild tomorrow. I need to rest up, y'all. Yeah, and it's day 108 already, so. Right? Mm-hmm. Somehow yes. we've, we've gained 50 days in the last 20 minutes. Yes. All right, That's listeners. Day four is tomorrow. All right. And we are out. Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Thank you.